Welcome to the Colby Cast, episode 102. Thank you for joining us. A couple of weeks ago, I had the privilege to travel to Atlanta, Georgia to attend the Colby Academy graduation. It was a magnificent event where I was able to meet in person many Colby students, parents, teachers, and staff. If you weren't able to attend this year's event, we present to you the words of our speakers, our executive director, Mrs. Mary Rawls, our students, Ms. Catherine Ma and Ms. Anna Prostievsky, online teacher, Ms. Ellen Finnegan, and our guest speaker, Dr. Ryan Messmore. I hope that you'll enjoy these reflections and words of wisdom from our speakers, and I hope that we'll see you at a future graduation. Hi there, I'm Bonnie, liturgical musician, popcorn and podcast fanatic, and Colby homeschooling mom to four lads and lasses of middle and high school age. And this is Stephen, homeschooling father of five and director of development for Colby Academy. And I'm Jordan. As a product of homeschooling, I'm proud to teach Greek and Latin for Colby Online and serve as the alumni and public relations director. Good afternoon and welcome to the graduation for Colby Academy class of 2022. We welcome our students, parents, faculty, and guests to this joyful celebration. Graduation marks the end of one phase of education for these students and the beginning of an exciting new one. Please rise for the invocation by Deacon Tom Gottschall. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Brothers and sisters, listen to the words of the book of Sirach. If you wish, you can be taught. If you apply yourself, you will be shrewd. If you are willing to listen, you will learn. If you give heed, you will be wise. Frequent the company of the elders. Whoever is wise, stay close to him. Be eager to hear every godly discourse. Let no wise saying escape you. If you are a man of prudence, seek him out. If you see a man of prudence, seek him out. Let your feet wear away his doorstep. Reflect on the precept of the Lord. Let his commandments be your constant meditation. Then he will enlighten your mind and the wisdom you desire he will grant. Heavenly Father, your spirit of wisdom fills the earth and teaches us your ways. Look upon these graduates. Let them enjoy the learning they had and take delight in discoveries to come. Help them to persevere in their lives and give them the desire to learn all things well. We give you thanks for their teachers as they strove to share their knowledge with gentle patience and endeavored always to bring the true, the good, and the beautiful to eager minds. Grant them all alike. May they follow Jesus Christ, the way, the truth, and the life forever and ever. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Please be seated. 
I would now like to invite Mrs. Mary Rolls, the executive director of Colby Academy to give the welcome address. Good afternoon, everyone. Dr. Messmore, Ms. Finnegan, faculty, parents, family, friends, and most of all graduates. On behalf of board president, Mark Rumley and the board of trustees, the faculty and all the staff, it is with great pleasure that I welcome you to Colby Academy's 2022 graduation ceremony. I'd like to first apologize for not being present today in person in Georgia. I am at the Napa County Courthouse fulfilling my civic duty as a juror on a four week trial. Secondly, I'd like to thank those who have worked so hard to support the class of 2022. To Father Bird and the staff at Mary R. Queen, thank you so for so generously allowing us to use your beautiful facility for this ceremony and reception. To the faculty and staff of Colby Academy, thank you. I am incredibly grateful for your dedication to our school, your support of our mission, and your care for our students. We are truly blessed. I would especially like to thank the faculty and staff present today. Our Chief Academic Officer, Mrs. Megan Langle, Development Senior Director, Mr. Stephen Hayden, Academic Services Director, Mr. Everett Byarski, Deans of Students, Mrs. Elizabeth Hoxie and Mrs. Kelly Powers, and all the other faculty and staff present today, either in person or virtually. And I can see there was quite a few. Thank you for coming. To all the parent and student volunteers who have worked so hard on today's event, especially Mrs. Kathleen Kassar and Mrs. Jennifer Youngman, thank you for all your hard work and dedication to making graduation memorable for our seniors. Finally, to the families and especially the parents of our graduates, Thank you all for being with us on this special day, whether you traveled to Georgia or made the commitment to join us virtually. Thank you for your faith and for your trust in our school. And lastly, thank you for your commitment to Catholic home education and for letting us share in the joy of forming your children. To our graduates, thank you for allowing us to be part of your high school career. All of us at Colby wish you the very best in your future endeavors whatever they may be. We pray that you always remember to listen to God and that you never forget that he is by your side. From Joshua chapter one, verse nine, be strong and courageous, do not be frightened and do not be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. I wish you all the best in your future endeavors and wish I could have been there today to help celebrate. God bless. Thank you, Mrs. Mary Rolls. Next up, we have our first student address. And so I'd like to invite to the podium, Ms. Catherine Ma. I am so happy to be here tonight to celebrate this exciting milestone with you. I wanna start by thanking my parents for their enduring love, support, and all of their sacrifices through the years. I have received the most amazing Catholic education. Thank you, mom and dad. I love you. I'd also like to thank the faculty and staff of Colby Academy for their tireless work, radiating a love of wisdom in our online classrooms and always modeling a passion for truth. 
As I reflected on what I wanted to say tonight, I was reminded of one of my favorite quotes by Saint Pope John Paul II, where he encouraged the faithful to remember the past with gratitude, to live the present with enthusiasm, and to look forward to the future with confidence. It can be tempting to think of all the difficulties we experience in our lives, especially over the past couple of years, and to feel less than grateful. But what I have learned is that gratitude is the foundation of goodness and happiness. I have so much to be grateful for in my life. So many wonderful high school memories to treasure too. But I wanted to share that I'm especially grateful for the gift of music. The ability to play my cello has brought me an abundance of joy and has enriched my life beyond measure. It's fun to think about high school and all of the great memories we've made. The fun pre-class chats, Adobe's most recent updated downgrade. <laughs> all of those recitations. Remember the 20 lines from the Iliad our freshman year? And then 108 lines of Edgar Allan Poe's The Raven this year? And those cool, but a little bit dangerous chemistry experiments in the basement. I'll remember these times like snapshots compiled into an album on my iPhone. Okay, it's not an iPhone, it's a flip phone, but I'm so grateful. <laughs> I have so many wonderful memories. And for me, they are all set to a soundtrack of Haydn, Bach, and Sasson playing in my mind. Music has not only enriched my life by learning to play such a beautiful instrument, but it has contributed to the spiritual joy of my soul. The gift of music is a treasure of great value to me, and I'm confident that it is a gift from God. Over the years, I've been so impressed by music's ability to make life so vivid. For example, today, when we heard the first few chords of Pomp and Circumstance as we processed in, written by Edward Elgar, who was a famous composer most known for his cello concertos, we could feel something, emotions building, memories being made for some of us, and for others, memories flooding back from another time. You see, the gift of music is not just for musicians and singers. It's for everyone. So from now on, every time we hear that piece, we'll think of today. We'll see the faces of our family and friends, and we'll feel the same sense of joy and happiness of being together to celebrate our accomplishments. Music is a gift from God to each one of us. I'm honored and so very grateful that he blessed me with this particular gift of being able to play the cello. Pray for me that I use it always and for the greater glory of God. As we all look back upon this day with gratitude, 
our memories will now be playing to the soundtrack of Elgar's pomp and circumstance, the beautiful Ave Maria, and the recessional, the Vienna Philharmonic Fanfare by Strauss. Music is a gift that has the ability to make us smile or to bring us to all types of tears for all our days and especially today, there is music. It seems our Lord has offered me and each of us this gift, which is to remember this day with gratitude, live it with enthusiasm, and wherever our distinct vocational paths may lead, to look toward that future with great confidence. Thank you, God bless. And congratulations, class of 2022. Thank you so much, Catherine. For our, our next student address, we have Anna Prostoyevsky. Good afternoon, everyone. Has anyone not heard that the best years of one's life are their college years? One might wonder if college professors and faculty have the best of lives. Perhaps some of us have also been told that these special years, our college years, are for us. And accordingly, we should make the most of them, take advantage of every opportunity we get to do something great for ourselves. Carpe diem! And even allow ourselves to be selfish for just this once in our lives. For just those four college years, we will spend trying to make something of ourselves. But this popular advice is unsound. It is true that college is a time meant for developing our technical skills, a time in which we experience a unique freedom that enables us to do new and exciting things. Let alone, college is a time for having fun. But college is not solely about our own progression, nor is it possible to become stronger people if we take perfect care of our own well being, but fail to look out for others. By others, I mean your roommate, the people you pass each day, your parents, and although not a person, your plant or fish should you get one. Seriously, don't let it die. The reason it is necessary to care for others during college is not just because they might care for us in return, they might share their notes, but rather it is necessary to care for others during this developmental time because the people we want to become truly are good and selfish people. What do you wanna be when you grow up? Chances are the class of 2022 is not content with being a checking account. That is, we aren't content with just making money. We want to be compassionate nurses, lawyers of integrity, inspirational teachers, courageous soldiers, and trustworthy parents. Wherever we are destined, we want to achieve excellence not vainglory, but fulfillment and purpose. In order to become excellent, we must genuinely care for others. We will become excellent people who make an impact on this world, but only if we act now. We will not become excellent people if we fail to practice excellence until we land a job, for we will not know how to be excellent. Excellent men are virtuous and all virtues need to be learned. College is a time for learning practical skills, and just as importantly, it is a time for learning virtues. I would like to take this peculiar 
but appropriate moment to thank the people in our own lives who have been for us what we hope to become for others. I would like to thank our teachers, our personal and academic, academic advisors and mentors, our parents, and even our siblings who have thus far provided the occasions necessary to test the virtues we must hone. It is because of the love these people have for us and the sacrifices they have made for us that we are about to embark on our next journey. Just as these people have helped us, we are called to help others. Man was not made to be alone. God gave man individuality, but our individuality is brightest when it is united to the whole of humanity, as contradictory as that may sound. To become our true selves, we must sacrifice ourselves and we must die. Of course, we cannot sacrifice what we do not have, nor, nor can we help others when we ourselves are drowning. We must remove the log from our own eye before we, can, before we can help others. So take care of yourself, physically, mentally, and spiritually. Please do not neglect your spiritual and physical health. God is calling many of us to be a student, the vocation of exploring the universe he created. But let us not become consumed by our studies, lest we pray half-heartedly. Let prayer be our lifeline. Let it be in prayer that we beseech God for the patience and grace to understand what we will be studying, for the humility to both acknowledge and pardon the mistakes we will make during the, our collegiate careers, and the humility to forgive those who will offend us. Let us thank God for the gift of education and the gift of life. Let prayer be a place of rest and solitude from life and for life. This year in modern literature, we read Brideshead Revisited by Evelyn Waugh. I was in Mrs. Crawford's groovy class. Sebastian, the French of the protagonist Charles, is a troublesome character. He grew up in an aristocratic family where no one expected anything of him. He did not know what it was like to take care of the needs of anyone but himself. And that gnawed at him to the point of self-hatred. Men are good, but we are also fallen. So surely, if we if we serve ourselves and look in the mirror at the depraved creatures we have become, we will hate ourselves. But there is hope, for man is inherently good and we can choose to serve something greater than ourselves. There is tremendous dignity in work in helping people. Sebastian, after taking up the care of a friend says, it's rather a pleasant change when all your life you've had people looking after you to have someone to look after yourself. Sebastian continues, only, of course, it has to be someone pretty hopeless to me looking after by me. We were not created to be needed by anyone, but God gave us the gift of being able to help, and we are called to accept this gift and the responsibility that comes with it. We are co-creators, and by the grace of God, we can help restore creation, especially the pinnacle of creation that is man to his former beauty. We cannot make it through college without God or without help from others. You and I must go to college together. Be kind to your roommate, help instruct your classmates, call your parents, offer up your daily coffee for the intention of someone who goes without, spend time at the chapel, take up your cross for the next four years so that you will be able to carry it for the following 70. Don't fool yourself into imagining that if you postpone picking up the cross 
for the next four years so that you can strengthen and prepare for it, you will be able to carry it with ease. You will just be unused to its weight. No, let us live an unselfish collegiate life and thereon after so that our teacher alone will say, I was naked and you clothed me. I was ill and you took care of me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Thank you and God bless us all. Thank you so much, Anna. Next up, we uh, will have our faculty speaker, Ms. Ellen Finnegan. Ellen holds a Bachelor of Arts in English from Boston College and an MFA in Creative Writing from the University of Montana. She has been teaching for Colby since the inaugural year of the online school, which was 2013. And she has taught ancient Greek and Roman literature, 9th, 10th, and 11th grade composition and creative writing. She now lives in Estes Park, Colorado. And when she is not hanging out with her adorable nieces and nephews, she enjoys hiking, writing, and podcasting. So Ellen, welcome. Thank you, Jordan. Hi, everybody. My name is Ms. Finnegan, and I'm so happy to be here with you today. Can you hear me okay? Okay, great. Thank you so much to Mrs. Langell for inviting me to speak here today. I'm super nervous and super excited. This is so much fun, is it not? Oh my goodness. Um, I cannot tell you, I'm over the moon to be here. I just, I can't, I just wanna look at you. I, I, I hope that's not creepy or anything. <laughs> I do, I'm just like, they're real girls and boys, like Pinocchio. Um, but I've taught some of these students for four years. I have the pleasure of teaching ninth grade, um, 11th grade and 12th grade. So I can see them come in as freshmen and leave as the beautiful and amazing young men and women that they are. Actually, some of you I've known since eighth grade because you were uh, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed eighth graders that wanted to be in the newsletter club. Yeah, so we let you in. <laughs> um, so it's been a, it's been a pleasure, and, and actually some of the families here tonight I've known for almost a decade because I've taught some of your older siblings. And um, each fall, it's kind of fun to look at my roster and go, oh, there's another one. <laughs> oh, there's another one, and they keep coming through my classes, and so it's just it's so much fun. Um, let's see what. Um, yes. Oh, I was going to say a joke here. So, <laughs> so um, yeah, so I, I really love online teaching, but a lot of people often say to me, they say, it's, it's not the same though, right? I mean, those kids, they, they never leave their basement, right? I mean, <laughs> they, they're homeschooled. And I said, no, it's, it's fantastic. We make friends and we bond and we really create memories together, don't we? Um, except there's one thing that brick and mortar schools do better, which is that in a brick and mortar school, you can actually see how tall people are. And in an online school, everybody's the same height. So um, you get to one of these events and it's like, oh, hi, hi Paul. <laughs> Um, it's a little bit nostalgic for me to be here today because I actually graduated from high school in 1996 in Atlanta. So I'm remembering what it was like to be in your shoes all those many years ago. And I actually started teaching the Colby curriculum here in Atlanta as well. Um, I taught for a little hybrid school for a year and I was teaching the Colby curriculum. So this feels very full circle-y to me. And I was trying to think about what I wanted to say. And I think that what I wanna say is that this is extraordinary. You are extraordinary. All of you, your families, your parents, 
this school. I feel so blessed. Um, it's not easy what we ask you to do. Um, that Edgar Allan Poe recitation, Catherine, that was some serious business right there. Um, and, you, and you guys have, have pulled through what we've asked you to write, the reading that we've asked you to do. I mean, 50 pages a week just for my classes. I don't even know what you're doing in their classes. Um, so it really is the focus and the discipline that has taken you all to get here. It really is something to be admired and um, you made it. I'm so proud of you. Not gonna cry. Not gonna do it. Um, if you think about it, what percentage of people in this world really have an education, right? If you think about all the people that never even have that at all. And then when you think about um, the fact that you have a classical education where you actually get to learn, um, you know, the history of, of Western civilization, Homer, Herodotus, Shakespeare, Dante, Virgil, Plato, um, and then to know the faith the foundation that all of you have in the faith. I can't tell you how many times you've been sitting in class and you have taught me something about our faith. A lot, it's been a lot. Um, so to have the classical component, I just imagine um, you know, the breadth and the scope of your understanding of, of the history um, of our culture and the perspective that you can bring. So um, when you hear about um, you know, Jesus coming into the world, um, you can put that in some kind of context. And so when he says, behold, I am doing something new, um, you can actually know what that means. Um, there's nothing new under the sun, as they say, right? And so with your classical studies, um, you know that human nature never changes. Um, so the only thing new is really the good news, right? Um, the good news. So I look at you and I think about your cultural literacy and your historical understanding and the knowledge of our faith that you have. And I envision myself in your seat in 1996. And comparatively speaking, I mean, I was basically raised by wolves, okay? <laughs> so, I was out there in the secular jungle with a machete, just like trying to clear a path and make my way and figure out where I was going. And so you really do have so much to be grateful for. So I just ask that you recognize that it really is extraordinary what you've accomplished. It's extraordinary the blessings um, that you have with your education. And I just ask that you find a way to um, share that with others as you go forward with the people out there in the jungle. They need you, they need your light. They need you to share what, what you know. Um, there's one thing that we don't do well here though at Colby Academy. Um, which is, it's not super classical because actually um, a real classical education, you know, Aristotle studied with Plato um, until he was 35. And so I propose that we start Miss Scribble or Miss Finnegan's Academy, right? You guys can just stay with me. <laughs> you know, sign up at the back of the church or when we're, when we're done. Um, no, it's hard to say goodbye. It really is hard to say goodbye. But I know you guys are going to go, go on to do amazing things. Um, to appreciate how far you've come, I thought it might be kind of fun to take a look back um, at, at where you started. So I know you guys know that we clear the chat box at the end of every class, right? Well, before we do that, we have to email it to ourselves. So I have your chat going back. <laughs> To 2018.
Would you care to hear a few of them? <laughs> now, I could share with you some of the chat box comments from when we were in class and you were making your brilliant commentary and your amazing observations that just blew my mind every day. But I really prefer the pre-chat chats, the pre-class chats. So here's a little bit of reminiscing that we can do. While we were reading the Iliad, Devin Friesen said, my question is, how on earth did they fight in those flimsy sandals and short skirts? <laughs> Lauren Grasso, I found your first ever uh, class that you were in with me, Lauren Grasso. Hi, Mrs. Finnegan, I was one of your shadow students. Hi, recording waves. <laughs> Mrs. Finnegan, have you ever been a teacher in real life? <laughs> Nope, just been a fake teaching all these years. <laughs> Joseph Poff, don't cry. There are no bodies on the floor. Thomas Sherman, real men don't cry. Miriam Youngman, real men do cry. Jesus cried. Maria Sankarali. Anna Prostajowski. <laughs> Thomas Sherman, okay, yeah, right, you win. <laughs> Here's one from Ezekiel. Anyone remember that one dude who lost his hands and then his feet and then his legs and then his arms and then he was whipped and decapitated? Oh, wait, never mind. That was ancient Greek history. <laughs> Liam Federoff, Mrs. Finnegan, my mic is broken, so I won't be able to talk today and be my usual charismatic self. <laughs> Matthew Ho, the new Adobe allows emojis in the chat without messing things up. Jakob Kelly, yes. <laughs> Aiden Kavanaugh, the armor is a prize, a memento, not so much a practical tool. Aiden, did you really write that in ninth grade? That was pretty good. <laughs> I hope I gave you good participation points for that. <laughs> Paul Kassar, in my case, I thought I knew what Mrs. Finnegan would pick for the essay prompt, so I prepared so well for a certain prompt, even memorizing a bunch of quotes, only to find that Mrs. Finnegan didn't pick the prompt that I was sure she would. Anna Sheet, that's annoying. <laughs> Paul Kassar, very annoying. <laughs> you guys knew I was sitting right there, right? The whole time. <laughs> Practicing thesis statements, Eliza. Oedipus Rex is a bad play because it does not fulfill the criteria or fails to mention it explicitly. Malia Saveni, Aristotle's criteria for a good play is unfulfilled by the play Oedipus Rex, making it a bad play. Elena Bull, the lack of bacon in Oedipus Rex is unacceptable. <laughs> and we also shared a lot of important life events, didn't we? Devin Friesen, so those of you who aren't in the school chat, did you know I finally got a chinchilla? Mrs. Finnegan, what is a chinchilla? Is that a monkey? <laughs> Anyway, so I hope you enjoyed that little walk down memory lane. Um, the last thing I want to impart to you is just, is just to keep your eye on the ball as you go forward and remember what's most important, which is getting Ramek in the dictionary. Okay, we got to do this, you guys. Michael Williams is here. He graduated a few years ago. His class didn't do it. Colette's here. Her class didn't do it. You guys have to do it. All right, so anyway, for those of you who don't know, Aramic is a word we came up with at Colby Online to explain when a student accidentally puts their hand up um, in class. So if I call on them, sometimes they say, oh, Aramic. And so I know they didn't mean to raise their hand. 
well, back when I was, you know, a few years ago, when you guys were freshmen, you know, you would say, oh, Raymick, and I'd go, oh, it's okay. You don't have to answer the question. I'll call on someone else. But then I just got mean and you would go, oh, Raymick, and I'd go, that's okay. You can try to answer anyway. <laughs> Let's hear it. What you got? Uh, I didn't mean to raise my hand. It's been good. Um, so did you guys know I realized over Easter that the first Raymick is actually in the Gospels? Your face. <laughs> Anyone? Anyone have an answer? You can just, you can raise your hand or just enter it in the chat box. <laughs> can you think? All right, let me, let me refresh your memory. Um, Luke 23, 26. As they led him away, they took hold of a certain Simon, a Cyrenian who was coming in from the country. And after laying the cross on him, they made him carry it behind Jesus. Simon looked up to the heavens and said, God, my cat just stepped on my space bar. I didn't mean to sign up for this, right? <laughs> and God said, that's okay. I'm calling on you anyway. Um, I was, I was never intending to be a teacher, actually. I just kind of fell into this. Mrs. Langell called me one day um, and knew I was teaching at a hybrid school. Um, and she said, do you want to come teach for our online school? And I said, I, I don't think I can. I, I don't have like a degree in education. Um, and she said, Ellen, these are homeschooling parents. Do you think they care? <laughs> and I said, Come to think of it, she said, yeah, they didn't go out and get, you know, degrees in education before they decided to start educating their children. And I said, I think I'm going to like these people. Yeah, I want to do this. Um, I was coming down here um, yesterday from Colorado and I met a man on the plane and he was sitting next to me. His name was Larry and he was on his way here because his son was in a motorcycle accident um, and he was at the Good Shepherd Physical Therapy down by Grady Hospital. Um, and he said, yeah, he said, I'm, I'm 80 years old. My son is 52. And um, I, 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 don't, I don't really want to be here. I don't really want to go. I'm going to go. He's my son. But I'm a gardener. You know, it's the spring. I'm ready to get my garden going. Um, and he said, you know what? Um, my my daughter-in-law and my wife, they're really up to something here because you know what? They got me a one-way ticket and they were gonna bring him home and they were bought him a hospital bed to have at home and he was gonna need 24 seven care. And um, I thought to myself, wow, that's a Ramek, right? Like he didn't mean to raise his hand for that. And I could tell that he, he wanted to be home, um, but he was gonna go and he was gonna take care of his son. Um, and so I just, I want you to think about that as you go forward you guys, um, make, your, make your plans, pave your path, dream your dreams, but always be ready and open for God's call because you never know when your cat is going to step on your space bar. <laughs> I love you and good luck. Thank you so much, Ms. Finnegan. So Dr. Ryan Messmore serves as the fifth president of Magdalen College. He received his bachelor's degree in public policy and religion from Duke University master's degree in theology and Christian ethics from Duke Divinity School and Cambridge University, and his doctorate in political theology from Oxford University. Dr. Messmore has served as president of Campion College, a Catholic liberal arts college in Sydney, Australia, founding executive director of the Mills Institute at Christian Heritage College in Brisbane, and William E. Simon Fellow at the Heritage Foundation in Washington, DC. 
Most recently, he oversaw the academic program at St. David's School in Raleigh, North Carolina. So Dr. Messmore, welcome. Thank you very much, uh, Dr. Almanzar, uh, fellow uh, faculty, uh, Colby staff, graduates, parents, friends. Uh, it is truly an honor uh, to be with you uh, today on this special occasion. Uh, today we celebrate the completion of a mission, a kind of exiting or leaving, and the issuing of a charge. Uh, but we celebrate these things in uh, a couple different senses. On the one hand, uh, you are graduating today, uh, and that marks the completion of your high school academic career and the start of a process of exiting or journeying uh, toward a new phase of life, whether that be college uh, or uh, getting a job. And I intend to offer uh, somewhat of a charge or a, an exhortation at the end of my remarks. Um, but it is also fitting that your graduation falls exactly 40 days after Easter, uh, the day when the church traditionally has celebrated the ascension of Christ, uh, even though uh, that has changed more recently. Uh, the ascension also marks uh, a completion, the completion of Christ's uh, earthly mission and his exiting our space-time environment to return to his Father in heaven. And on that day, right before he ascended, he offered uh, his followers a charge uh, to wait in Jerusalem to receive the Holy Spirit. And I will be referencing uh, that charge um, a little bit later. Uh, so for, for various reasons, uh, it is very fitting uh, for us to be here on this particular day, uh, celebrating uh, your graduation. Um, we celebrate all of the work that you have uh, done over many years, uh, all of the books you have read, the notes you have taken, the insights you've discovered, the declensions you've memorized, the paragraphs you've constructed, the rough drafts you've reviewed, the equations you've solved, the unceasing quizzes you've studied for, the many fill-in-the-blank questions that you've answered, and all of the exams that you've stressed over. You have invested so much into this Colby Academy program and you've done it. You've made it through to the end. You've successfully completed your Colby Academy High School education and that is an accomplishment to be proud of. I also want to take a minute uh, and recognize somebody else, um, all of the parents and guardians uh, here today and watching online. Um, they have paid the tuition, provided the computer, or the iPad, or the device that you used, incessantly nagged or uh, encouraged you uh, to do your best in your classes, offered advice, helped with questions, perhaps advocated for you if it was necessary. They asked you a thousand times if you did your homework, if you were ready for that quiz. And they asked you a thousand times how you did on them. They cheered for you when you did well on your exam. They comforted you when you got frustrated with all that reading and work. And they kept you fed and your house wired with the internet to make these years of study possible. So they deserve to be celebrated as well. 
And I would venture to guess that as momentous an occasion as this is for you graduates, today is perhaps an even bigger deal for your parents. They are going through something similar to what Christ's loved ones went through first on Good Friday and then again at the Ascension um, of having to cope with his exit, uh, with his departure uh, from his earthly life. And that can be a very difficult thing. And here I am speaking as a dad who has just gone through the process of seeing my firstborn son graduate from high school and go off to college. Until you grow up and experience what that is like, you'll just have to trust me when I tell you how significant this day and this summer, and in fact, this whole stage of life, senior year, uh, has been for them. It is absolutely gut-wrenching to walk your child closer and closer to the door knowing that each day that passes is one step closer to them walking out that door and not coming back for a long time. When my wife and I dropped our son Joshua uh, off at college about nine months ago, the college required all the parents to say goodbye for the final time in a big open field on campus. Everybody together all at once, tears everywhere. Um, and then the orientation guides uh, took the students off for a series of events and all the parents were left to just walk back to their cars and drive away. Uh, my wife and I recently took our other kids to visit Josh at his campus. And when we got near that particular spot, my wife started to tear up. Uh, she pointed and, and said to our younger children, that's the field of broken hearts. Only to have Joshua turn to them and say, we call it the field of freedom. <laughs> The graduates, you are embarking on a very exciting time of life. Yes, new adventures, new freedom, new places, new relationships await you. But for your parents, this can be a very mixed time. One of excitement for you, uh, but one that can also be downright gut-wrenching. So uh, today, as our thoughts turn toward exiting, my counsel to you on this is threefold. Uh, First, have grace with your parents over the coming months. Two, when you get to college, call or text your mama regularly. Just do it. Three, when you go out to dinner tonight and everyone is congratulating you, just take a couple seconds and say thank you. And I love you to those who helped shepherd you to this point. And, and how just wonderful it was uh, to hear a student speaker earlier just sincerely thank her parents for providing her a Catholic education. Like, it, doesn't, it doesn't get any better than that. Um, looking forward, uh, I wanna offer you just a couple points uh, to think about as you head to college uh, or your next steps. Uh, and I wanna start with this conviction that the most important things you will take with you from college are not facts, are not knowledge, not a bunch of information that you will memorize, not even a set of skills that'll help you to get a job. I would say the four most important things that you will take with you are the way that you learn to think, 
the relationships that you form, the habits that you form, and the loves or the passions that you form while you are there. Uh, first, the ability to think. Uh, it's extremely valuable, but it seems uh, in our society it's becoming extremely rare. Um, many do graduate from college, but not many college graduates are taught to think deeply and critically and creatively. Many are more interested in simply getting a qualification uh, for a job. But when I was in uh, Australia, uh, I met a job recruiter for IBM uh, in Melbourne. And when asked, uh, what do you look for most when you're hiring grad college graduates to work for IBM? Um, he answered three things. Have they played a team sport? Have they studied Latin? And have they played chess? Like, what about a prestigious computer science degree, right? Like, nope, we can, we can teach them what they need to know about IBM computers once they get here. What we can't teach them, how to work together as a team. But if they played a sport, maybe they've already had some direct experience. We can't teach them how to think like a coder would think. But if they've studied an inflected language like Latin, where you have to figure out the meaning of the word based upon its ending and its relationship to the rest of the words in the sentence, and they've already begun to wire their brain in that way. And we can't think them how to anticipate where our competition's gonna be in five years and how to get there first. But if they've played chess, they've already, again, begun to think in that sort of strategic way. Um, so even the job recruiters are acknowledging that the most important thing, one of the most important things you can take with you from college is not just a bunch of facts or even that piece of paper that qualifies you for a degree. It's learning to think a certain way. How will your time in the next four years wire your brain to think? It was Albert Einstein who said, the purpose of a liberal arts education is not the learning of many facts, but the training of the mind to think. Now, uh, you also take with you relationships. Um, when I was in high school, I tended to think that my high school friendships were the most important ones that I ever had. I couldn't imagine uh, leaving uh, those guys. Um, my high school crush seemed like the person that I just couldn't go through life without. Uh, but then strangely, you get to college and right about Thanksgiving break, strangely, you begin to feel a little bit differently. It is the relationships that you will form in college that tend to be the most formative and long lasting. 20 years from now, uh, the people you will meet up with for that annual weekend that you've been looking forward to for months, those will be with your college buddies. And the person you start to date in college has a much better chance of becoming your future spouse. So be intentional about your relationships, invest in them and make them a priority. You also take with you habits. And I wanna suggest that one of the most crucial places to begin forming those habits is your very first week at college. Your first week is extremely important. Um, everybody's there, everybody's nervous, everybody's wanting to be friends, nobody's wanting to be left out. That first week is when is revealed what uh, your true priorities are. Um, 
what you decide to do, who you decide to hang out with, how you spend your time. These decisions will tend to create routines and routines tend to become habits. Be intentional about forming those habits for your habits tend to form your character. And the most important thing you will take with you, not just when you leave college, but when you leave this earth is your character. As Christ demonstrated at the ascension, you will take very little else with you besides your character when it's all said and done. David Brooks, a columnist for the New York Times, has written about the difference between resume virtues and eulogy virtues. Resume virtues are those that you develop so that you can list them on a resume. They are skills and experiences you pursue for a practical payoff in the job market. Eulogy virtues are those that you want said about you at your funeral. They tend to be aspects of your character, what kind of person you were rather than what salary level you earned. My advice to you as you enter the next phase of your life is not to ignore the resume virtues. In fact, I want you to pursue them with everything you've got, but make sure you prioritize the eulogy virtues. Cultivate good habits of thinking and living and relating and worshiping. Habits of taking the Sabbath and celebrating holy feast days. Habits of listening, of helping those in need, and of asking for forgiveness. Because these habits will determine to a large extent the only thing you will end up inheriting when you die which is nothing other than your character. And fourth, when you graduate from college, you will have accumulated a set of interests and passions and desires and loves. And these will set the course of your life for decades to come. What you do over the next four years will point you in a certain direction that you will follow for decades. Uh, that's because human beings at their core are lovers. We are creatures who are propelled along in life by our passions. We are drawn toward what we love. And the purpose of education is to help you to love the right things. According to Socrates, a good education teaches students to love what is beautiful. Likewise, St. Augustine described the purpose of education in terms of the ordo amoris, the right ordering of the loves so that we love the right things in the right way at the right time. And this is what a good college should help you to do. As the English writer John Ruskin uh, argued, quote, the entire object of true education is to make people not merely do the right things, but to enjoy the right things. Not merely industrious, but to love industry. Not merely learned, but to love knowledge not merely pure, but to love purity, not merely just, but to hunger and thirst after justice. As you've experienced in your Colby classes, good teachers love the area that they teach. They believe that their subject, in fact, is inherently lovable. It has much in it that deserves our awe and our wonder and our appreciation. And I want to argue here that 
This is where being a Catholic can make a difference for the way that we approach education. For we have encountered the very source of that beauty, the creator God. Catholics believe that all, thing, that all things that have been created, all things that could possibly be studied, bear the stamp of their loving, purposeful creator. Catholics therefore approach the world expecting it to be laden with beauty and order and purpose. In the words of Gerald Manley Hopkins, the world is charged with the grandeur of God, a grandeur that is given in the nature of things. It's really there already, which should invoke in us a sense of wonder and delight as we discover it. In short, we believe that the world is enchanted, infused by its creator with purpose and therefore possessing a level of meaning and beauty. Unfortunately, this is not the conviction that animates many institutions of higher education today. The trend in most modern universities is to focus on science, technology, engineering, and math, and to teach those subjects as fields of neutral, sterile data to be used for calculation and utilitarian ends. These are the practical sciences, and modern education tends to separate them from the liberal arts, thus pitting reason against faith artificially and relegating the latter to private curiosities that can be studied as electives, if you happen to be interested in art history or something like that. This is not how the Western tradition has always been. Subjects like math and the physical sciences used to be considered as, as locations of awe and wonder. Far from being the sterile data that they are today, they were seen as orders of a purposeful creation, pointing to deeper truths about the nature of God and the universe. Because the material world was created by that sort of God, it is the kind of reality that calls forth our curiosity and summons our appreciation. I love how one thinker uh, has described this uh, quote, what starts the venture of knowledge is notice and wonder. Something about reality catches our attention. To start to know is actually first a response to a dimly heard beckoning of the wonderful real. Isn't that beautiful? To start to know is actually first a response to a dimly heard beckoning of reality. And if we see knowing as a relationship between knower and known, we can see that reality makes the first overture. I love that. Graduates, as you pursue your next level of education, seek out learning communities that approach the world as enchanted and who view students of such a world as lovers. I have had the privilege for the past year of being a part of that sort of community at Magdalen College. I can tell you it is such a wonderful thing to start out each year by having every single member of the faculty take the oath of fidelity to the magisterium, including professors like Dante scholar Anthony Esselin and when the world was flat author Jordan Almanzar. 
Amazon.com. Colby publishes it. Um, whereas some colleges may look at the physical world and see simply neutral, inert stuff, our professors approach it expecting to find intrinsic purpose and beauty. Whereas some college professors see and teach only the empirical dimension of reality. All of our faculty see and teach deeper dimensions of meaning. Whereas some believe that you must approach subjects in a sterile, disinterested manner, we believe reality is wonderful, full of the kind of order that should draw forth wonder. Now, it's perhaps easier to do this when you're dealing with subjects, qualitative subjects like humanities or theology. Um, but let's consider what is thought to be perhaps the most objective neutral area of knowledge there is, mathematics. Are numbers simply neutral bits of data, bare instruments of calculation? Or do they point to a deeper harmonious order? Can numbers be a locus of wonder and awe? And if so, what would that even mean? Well, when the Pythagoreans looked at numbers, they did not just see forms of logical notation. They saw something deeper. When they looked at the number one, they saw unity. When they looked at the number two, they saw diversity, the kind of diversity that can be fruitful, a la male and female. When they looked at the number three, which is one plus two, they saw the reconciliation of unity and diversity in harmony. Three was a very spiritual number, the number of the Trinity. When they looked at the number four, they saw the physical earth. Think four points of a compass leading to the four corners of the earth consisting of four elements, earth, water, air, and fire, found in four states, solid, liquid, gas, plasma. When they looked at the number five, they saw a symbol of the human body, five senses, five appendages to the torso, five fingers on each hand, five toes on each foot. When they looked at the number seven, which is three plus four, they saw the union of the spiritual and the physical, the Trinity and creation. And the Hebrew word for the number seven was the basis for the word for covenant. In fact, in ancient Israel, to swear a covenant oath literally meant to seven oneself. So when you look around at the world and you realize that the reality in which we live contains seven visible colors of the rainbow, seven notes in the major scale, seven openings in the human head, seven days of creation, seven seas, seven continents, seven classical planets, seven metals of antiquity, one might conclude that reality was purposed for covenant relationship with its creator. And that deep truth is embedded in these little things called numbers. As one scholar noted, numbers are a map of the beautiful order of the universe, the plan by which the divine architect transformed undifferentiated chaos into orderly cosmos. Your education at Colby Academy has set you on this kind of path of enchanted learning. Keep at it.
Approach every subject with a sense of expectation and eager anticipation of what you will discover there. And seek out wise teachers and guides who will help you uncover the deeper treasures that lie just below the visible surface. Finally, I want to conclude uh, by identifying uh, what I think is the most important question that you should ask when you go to college. And that is, what will you worship? What will you consider to be ultimate? What will you sacrifice for? Here again, Colby Academy has set you on the right path by providing an education that points toward the best answer to that question the God known as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I urge you to stay close to him and allow him to form your way of thinking. Allow him to form your habits. Allow him to be the basis of your relationships. Allow him to direct your loves. And allow him to guide your sense of awe and wonder in what you study. And I urge you to renew your covenant with him regularly in the Eucharist. When our son was packing for college, my wife and I bought him a little metal donkey figurine that we attached to his keychain. And so he carries this little donkey around everywhere he goes. Uh, that way, every Sunday, we can call him up and tell him to get his ass to mass. <laughs> I don't know how to say that. <laughs> um, graduates of the class of 2022, you are lovers made in the image of a God who is love. I leave you with the same charge that Christ gave his disciples at the Last Supper. Love one another. Love your parents. Love your church. Love what is true and good and beautiful. And I encourage you with the same charge that Christ gave those same disciples at the Ascension. Open yourselves to receive the Holy Spirit. In fulfilling these two charges, you will be on your way to becoming saints. And that is the ultimate purpose of college, the ultimate purpose of every job or career, and the ultimate purpose of life. I wish you well on this journey. Congratulations, graduates. Now I'd like to invite forward uh, Deacon Gottschall again for a closing blessing and prayer. Well, what a great day this has been, amen? amen. You have spent much time studying and preparing and we're so very proud of you. Isn't that right, parents and everybody else? Uh, graduates, please stand. And everybody pray with me while I ask a blessing for our graduates. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Bow down for the blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you, amen? amen. May his face shine upon you and be gracious to you, amen? amen? May he look upon you with kindness and give you peace, amen? amen? And may the blessings of Almighty God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit come down and remain with you forever, amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. All right, so I get to do the best part. I'm very proud and just so amazed at all of you guys. And I'd like to present to everybody here, the Colby Academy class of 2022.
Subscribe to the Colby Cast on your favorite podcast app so that you don't miss an episode. And let us know how we're doing by leaving a rating or review. And as always, feel free to email us at podcast at colby.org. Mary, our mother, pray for us. St. Maximilian Colby, pray for us. Ad maiorem Dei Gloriam.